You are listening to the official Acts 2 podcast. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.acts2orlando.com. So for those of you who don't know, I attend this church. This is our church home now. So let me kind of uh, segue into what I'm going to talk to you about this morning. So there's a, there's a table out, out, in, out in the foyer that's got some stuff that's ours. When we're not here just soaking up and enjoying all that Acts 2 is, we're here when we're not working but Eddie and I were pastors for years. We're both ordained pastors. We've pastored churches. We've done children's ministry. We've done youth ministry. We've planted a church. We've been senior pastors. We have not led worship, and there's a really good reason for that. Uh, you just don't want to hear that. Um, but we love the bride. We are the bride. We are part of the church. And if you've been part of the church for 30 seconds, you've found things that weren't right with her, right? And you know why she's not perfect? Because you're there and I'm there. (laughs) We're human. We're flawed. But God believes in us. He's coming back for his bride. And there were days when I read all kind of books and I was ready to just throw the towel in and we were pastoring a church. And I just thought, this is for the birds. And I, I, but I refused to fold my arms and stand on the sideline like a cynic and not be part of the solution. I wanna be part of making her better. I need to be better. And so while we're not pastoring a local church anymore, God has us coming into local churches and supporting leadership because things flow from the head down. And let me just tell you, it's not easy to be a leader in the body of Christ. It never has been. And I'm willing to wager pretty good money. If I had really good money, I would wager it. But it's never going to be easy on this side of eternity. But it is an honor and a privilege and we want to and are part of building leadership. We, we do coaching. We, we walk leaders through healing. There are a lot of leaders that are broken. When you hear of a, of a church leader who's, who's struggled with adultery or, or pornography or their, their moral failure of any kind or committing suicide and people fold their arms and they're so shocked. Why are you shocked? There's such isolation. There's, there's such lack of connection in most churches And so we want to be a part of that solution as well. So we're about building leaders and restoring leaders. And it's an honor and a privilege. So there's a little card out on the table that tells you who we are and what we do. And we'd love you to pick one of those up. And there's also, we have paper out there. Do we have the, Eddie's always coming up with, I'm not technologically astute. I can work my iPhone. <laughs> That's it. Um, so there's a, there's ways to sign up. If you'd like to receive an email from us, we will not bother you. You'll get a monthly email just knowing where we are, what we're doing, so you can pray for us. We covet your prayers. If you feel like God wants you to support us in any way, great. Doesn't matter. We would just love to be connected with you. And, um, and we're also giving away uh, for, we're asking for a donation of $4.00. 
you don't have any money, take one. If you've got more, then leave it and somebody else can take one. A Light Into My Path, written by our good friend and mentor and mom, <laughs> uh, spiritual mom, Myra Goldfarb. She lives in Deland where we do. And this is a wonderful book. It's great for Bible studies. But it's just to, to help build the body and continue to grow. And because um, that's what we do. That's who we are. We love Jesus. We love his presence. This morning, the worship was just, I just can't imagine. Did you know that heaven's eyes are always on you? Did you know that? I forget it sometimes. That heaven's watching me. The scripture says that we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. It also says that Jesus is forever making intercession for the saints. He's talking to the Father about you, about me. And the question is, what is my response to that? Because on his end, it never changes. Our end becomes rather fluid, does it not? Oh, help us, Lord. And I want to talk to you today about how his presence changes everything. Are you ready? Okay. I'm excited. Let me tell you something. I'm not talking to you today about ideas that came to my head. I'm talking to you from my gut, from my heart, from my life. The people that live with me know that, or have lived with me, but got married and moved out because they're so selfish. Um, (laughs) They can tell you, I'm not perfect. I'm so far from it. Sometimes I'm downright annoying I have a justice gene that is the size of Montana and it has really, really, really been just needled lately. And I've had to go back into the, I have to constantly get in the presence of the Lord. I have to because it's so easy to get caught up in anything else. But what we see isn't the big reality. What we see is not the great reality. It's not the eternal reality. And I want to live by the power and channel the power of that greater reality, which is the kingdom of God and the power of his presence. There are many things, listen, there are so many things that the enemy of your soul wants you to become. He wants you to become fearless. He wants you to become unempowered. He wants you to be sick and not healed. He wants you to not experience restoration, the blessing of who God is. The main thing that he doesn't want you to become is connected to the Father. That's been the great thing back to the garden. The main thing he wants is your disconnection from the Father because it is from that connection that everything else flows. All those things, healing and life and peace and joy, gratitude, provision, everything good flows from that connection the ministry that God's called you to. If you do it outside of the presence, then you're just a philanthropist. And in the annals of eternity, history might remember you, but will heaven know you? That's what I want. I don't care if anyone here knows me. I'm a nobody. I've been a B-team speaker at so many conferences, and it's awesome. (laughs) Nobody wants my autograph. Who cares? (laughs) I'm no one, but Jesus knows my name. (laughs) And I like to think when my feet hit the floor in the morning, the devil trembles because he knows the first thing I'm gonna do after I take my dog out because she runs the house is I'm gonna sit with Jesus 
and I'm going to get the game plan. I'm just going to soak him in because without that, I don't, I have nothing. I have nothing. I would have nothing to say up here if I weren't up this morning at 530 in his presence. That doesn't make me great. That makes me a daughter. And that's what sons and daughters do. It's the response to the, to the father. And his presence changes everything. If you think back to Genesis chapter one, I, I'm sorry, chapter three. When the enemy comes to the woman and he comes right up to her and the first thing he does is he questions God. Did God really say? And she's all like, well, I think that's what he said. No, (laughs) what she should have done as soon as a question came out of the enemy's mouth, questioning God's goodness and the reality of of who he is and and, and the truth of who he is, she should have run headlong into the father. She should have grabbed her husband and said, oh, we are in a bad place here. Let's go find the father who's right there. Because he caused her to doubt her identity. So he, he tells her, he knows if you eat of that, that you will become like him. And the damnable lie in all that is that she already was like him. And so was, so was Adam. They were, there's never been any two people more like him in that moment than they were because they had unbroken, unprotected intimacy with the father. And we have a good thing here on this side of eternity, but it's not like that. We'll have it again. We will. It's guaranteed, but right now we have to fight for it. We have to fight for it. We have to fight for it. So let's unpack what it looks like to run full force into his presence. Our key text here is Psalm 22.3, real short, easy to remember. And I challenge you to carry this in your heart. This has changed my whole life. You are enthroned on the praises of Israel. That's it. Israel's Israel's his people. And thanks to Jesus, we are all his chosen ones. We are all his chosen sons and daughters. A throne is a seat of authority, right? When I cut myself, which I tend to do regularly in the kitchen, it's it's, it's bad, y'all. I need I need some I need some I need adult supervision when I get a sharp knife in my hand. I've got scars all over me. I found out when you cut your fingertips off, you're a lot like a starfish and they do grow back. I I had no idea. Um, I kid you not. (laughs) When I cut myself, I bleed red. I am not, I'm not royalty. (laughs) There's no blue blood here. I don't deserve to sit on a throne. I deserve death, hell, and the grave. But by his grace and his presence and his sacrifice on Calvary, I get everything that he has. Everything that he has. I get his presence. But when we enthrone him on our praises, what we're doing is we're inviting him and his authority into the circumstances of our life. And we did it this morning because Holy Ghost is just the best and worked right through, right through these incredible worship leaders. Beautiful example this morning of holding that thing up before God and singing over it. Because when we do that, this is probably one of the most powerful keys of scripture and and you don't hear it preached about very often. 
Because we think of worship as this, and this is, and it's good, and it's necessary and precious and important. But do you know what is, I believe, the most beautiful worship is what you do when no one else is looking. When you're by yourself and your heart is broken because your dad is shriveling up from Alzheimer's or you see so much fear in the world. Maybe your kids grow up and move out selfishly pursuing their own lives. I'm totally kidding. Whatever we're walking through, we need the presence of the Lord. You get that diagnosis from the doctor, that thing has to bow to the heaven. It has to bow to heaven. And how do we rise above it here? How do we rise above it? We enthrone him on our praises. We get that worship, whatever works for you. I personally in heaven plan to live next door to Stephanie Gretzinger. I've already put an order in. We'll see what happens. But what I'm telling you is, I don't mean any offense to you guys. Come on. I mean, y'all want to live next door to Stephanie Gressinger. You know you do. When we enthrone him, it pulls us up above it. It pulls us up above it. And it gives us his perspective on our circumstances. In the relationship you maintain with God, most of us, when you think about the disciplines of the faith, we, we, we pray, we read our Bibles, we have this devotional time. We, we might set aside time to actually study the Bible and memorize it, meditate on it. We go to church and we're part of, of, of a covenant family, hopefully. But how many of us really take time to just soak in his presence, to sit in his presence, to worship him by ourselves in the quiet when no one's around? when our heart is broken and we're sad or we're disappointed or when you've just gotten over the 15th panic attack in two days or your depression is crushing you or your bills that are piling up are crushing you or your wayward child or your wayward parent, I've had both, are crushing you. You get in his presence and you invite him in and you give him authority in that place. Living a life of practicing his presence is inviting his kingdom to invade us. And let me tell you what I mean by soak, because in case you don't know, when I spill stuff on my clothes, which clearly if I cut my fingertips off, probably spill food when I eat it, and I do, um, I've, I've just gotten really good at, at mixing up things and getting stains out, but I have to soak it. I have to soak it to lift the filth and the dirt out. When we live in the world, we are bombarded with, Andrew just listed off a few things <laughs> that right now we're being bombarded with. And there's so much more. How important it is, it is for us to, to soak in the presence of the Lord, to sit and let it soften the fibers of our souls, to loosen the junk and the dirt. It might come from the outside, might come from the inside so that it can be released and removed and we can continue to change and grow from glory unto glory, like the word says. For me, I, I just, sometimes it's outside. A lot of times it's just in a room. I put my earbuds in. I turn on what I want and I just close my eyes. <laughs> I just close my eyes and I just pull in. 
Do I fall asleep a lot of days? You betcha. My husband will walk in the room. You asleep? You awake? (laughs) Tap me really gently and I'll startle. I'm just lost in him. And I was really, you're not gonna hear very many people say this. I was really blessed to grow up in a non-Christian home. I grew up with, I didn't know Jesus at all. I'd heard of him and I knew God was real, but I didn't grow up in church. So when I had the gospel presented to me at 15, I didn't have a lot of religion to unlearn. Religion, what religion? And I'm not suggesting that's the best way to grow up. I'm just saying that I was handed lemons, so I made me a real sweet pitcher of lemonade with that one. I didn't, I didn't have to unlearn. I didn't have to unlearn a lot of religion. And so when I was told that Jesus was my, would be my best friend and that I could be with him for eternity and know it, I ran to the altar. I'm like, why is everybody not lining up for this? This is amazing. And then I found out that I could walk with him and know him. And I was so blessed to have a youth pastor who I'm, we're in ministry with today, 30 something years later who taught me the disciplines of the faith and he taught me how to sit and soak in his presence. It's so important. See, God's presence being available to us is so important to God. He gave the first humans that unbroken connection in the garden, right? We blew that really bad. (laughs) Just screwed that up royally. So then Jesus comes on the scene. So we have we have, the fa- the, we have the father sending his son to the earth in person to change everything, to give his life, to pay the ultimate sacrifice, to restore connection. And we nailed him to a cross because that's what we did. But that's okay because he had another plan. He said, it's good that I not be with you because I can send the Holy Spirit, the comforter to be with you He said, that was good. That was even better for us to have Holy Spirit. So if you look at the course of human history, he gave us every part of himself, every part of the Godhead we've had here. Why would we give him any less? Why would we give him any less than all that we are? He knows that his presence is his favor. He knows that we cannot be like him apart from him. So why do we try? And why do we not take hold of this reality? In whatever ministry pursuits you have, business pursuits, anything, if it's not presence-based, it's off-base. Do you understand? If it's not presence-based, it's off-base. Every bit of it. I want to become, I'm not there. I want to be at that place where everything I do and everywhere I go, I'm breathing prayers in and out, praying without ceasing. I want that. I'm, I, I don't strive for that. I rest and relax back into him to have it come out of me naturally. If you're striving for anything, you're not resting enough. He gave us his presence so that we could recline back like John did on his breast, on his chest and hear his heartbeat. It's what you were made for. Why would we settle for any less? So if his presence changes everything, what does that look like? Let's get practical. Number one, his presence changes our atmosphere. It changes our atmosphere. So if you're in the middle of of heaviness and, and, and sadness right now, the ebb and flow of your emotions, relationships that are hard, 
your current season of life. When, when our seasons of life change, there's, there's a lot that comes with that. No matter where you are in that, his presence can determine your atmosphere. Whether you tap into his presence determines the atmosphere that you have. You can't control everything going on around you, but you can control your response. And the best way to do that is to channel the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> Let it just flow through you. We were made to be conduits of the kingdom, conduits of his presence. It's an honor, it's a privilege, and it's our lifeblood. We can determine our atmosphere. Let me tell you, when Eddie and I first got married, I, right before we got married, I had a panic attack. I'd never had a panic attack in my life. I'm not fearful by nature. I, I've never been fearful at all. I just, it's not me. And I woke up having a panic attack, which started two years of torment for me. And I can just tell you the first two years of our marriage, Eddie was a lucky guy. <laughs> it's really bad because I was suffering and struggling and I had no idea what was going on with me, none whatsoever. And we didn't know what else to do but to lean into his presence because it's all we'd been taught. And so Eddie made scripture cards and we put scriptures everywhere. I've not been given a spirit of fear, but power and love and soundness of mind. Every single verse on fear had it everywhere. And I'd say them all the time, but I would listen to worship. I had a Walkman, okay? You guys, it's this big, heavy box that you can run with, because I did it for years, with cassette tapes in it, and I took it everywhere. And, and I would listen to worship. It wasn't the kind of good worship we have now. I'm just gonna go ahead and tell you, but it did it for me. His presence changed my atmosphere. And every time I felt those icy fingers of fear and, and panic come over me, worship and his word, and it saved my life. And I believe my marriage, I don't think he would have put me out with the trash, but I wouldn't have blamed him. I was a disaster and I was normal right before that. The enemy wanted to ruin what we were going to have and the ministry that we have to marriages. He wanted to take me out. And let me tell you, the only prescription is the presence of the Lord. It's for a lifetime. There's a place for medication, but can I just tell you something? His presence changes everything. It can change your atmosphere. It might take some time, but it's for a lifetime. Prescriptions for a little while, but his presence is forever. And it changed me. Fast forward to when I was 39 and my mom was dying of cancer in my guest room. And so for a year, I homeschooled three kids. I was on staff at our church and I took care of my mom. And I had worship music playing in our bathroom. I would go in the bathroom and shut the door, put the lid down on the toilet, sit on the toilet and cry. I needed, my mom was lost and I needed the presence of the Lord in our home. I needed the presence of the Lord, not to get me through it. See, it's not to get you through it. It's to rise above it and give you his perspective. And you know what he did? He showed me that I still had mommy issues. And I thought I was great until she moved into my house. And I wasn't great. So I died that year, just like she did, but in a totally different way. He killed my flesh and he gave me this tender heart for my mom. And I, I served her and I loved her and I fed her and I counted out her pills. 
And I learned about Medicare, which is so hard. (laughs) And God was there. His presence changed my atmosphere. His presence will change your atmosphere. But it's up to you. It's up to you. This is even better. You all have probably read The Hiding Place. You know who Corey Ten Boom is. Do you know much about her sister, Betsy? Let me tell you something. Corey and Betsy were in Ravensbrook. They had been moved to Ravensbrook. It was a different death camp. And for whatever reason, we all know it was, it was the Lord. They didn't inspect, they didn't do an inspection when they were brought into that camp. So Corey had her Bible. And they were lying there on the straw mats that they slept on in this dormitory that reeked and stank and they were nauseated. And she said to, Corey said to Betsy, I don't know how we're going to survive this. And then the fleas started biting their flesh, just eating their flesh. And Betsy said, the scripture says that we're to give thanks in everything. And that's how we're gonna survive. So Betsy started thanking God for the fleas. And Corey said, I don't think God would expect us to thank him for the fleas. And she said, his word, his word says. So she started thanking God for the fleas. And they noticed that they were able to meet with women Every night they were able to meet with women under a little dim light bulb and read the Bible and have services. And they couldn't understand because there were guards everywhere. How come they were allowed to do this and no guards came around? And one day when Corey was out in the snow picking up sticks to build a fire, Betsy was inside darning socks and they needed some help and the guards wouldn't come in because of the fleas. (laughs) Betsy, thank God. She thanked God for the fleas and they were the thing that allowed them to minister the gospel to all those women in that death camp. And you know the most beautiful thing is that Betsy didn't make it out alive, but she was more alive than anybody else in that place because she understood the presence of the Lord. And before she died, they'd been separated. She wrote to Corey and she said, There is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. His presence changes our atmosphere. Number two, his presence changes our circumstances. Sometimes. (laughs) A little parenthetical sometimes. Wouldn't it be wonderful if his presence changed our bad circumstances every time? We think so, right? But on the contrary, some of the hardest circumstances create the most beautiful fragrant sacrifice in heaven. And I don't wanna miss it. And I'm just telling you, that's hard, it's hard. It's hard to say that, it's hard to do that. Sometimes God leaves us in a hard place to change us or for the benefit of a work that he's doing around us and someone else, such as in the lives of the 10 Boom Sisters. But oftentimes the very act of enthroning him on our praises causes circumstances to change. Paul and Silas in the Philippian jail, come on. They're in the Philippian jail and sidebar, Paul's a Roman citizen and really shouldn't have been imprisoned anyway. And he could have played the Rome card, but he didn't because he knew God was up to something. So they're in the prison 
And I'm not, please misunderstand me, I don't want to glamorize current day prisons, but I would take incarceration now over incarceration then any day. The disease and the rats and the filth and the unspeakable things that they're sitting in and they begin to worship God. And you know the story. But you know what's the most miraculous thing about that was not really to me that the bars of those jail cells came open and they were released. What was so miraculous is that they led that jailer to Jesus and he and his whole household were saved. And if Paul had played the wrong card, he could have had a get out of jail free card and he didn't use it. He rolled the dice, he stayed where God put him and he saw someone's life change for eternity, a whole family. His presence changes circumstances. It does. Their praise was probably some of the sweetest fragrances in heaven, I would imagine. So his presence changes our atmosphere. His presence changes our circumstances sometimes. And his presence changes me. His presence changes me. And if you don't think this isn't the hardest one, (laughs) then you were just born yesterday. (laughs) You cannot encounter the presence of God and remain the same. You can't. And I would challenge you, if, if you find yourself remaining the same on the regular, maybe you're not encountering the presence of God on the regular or at all. And that's not condemnation. That is a joyful invitation to come up higher. It's what he's always whispering in your ear to come up higher. Come see things from my perspective. Come be with me. Come breathe the air I breathe. Come feel my heartbeat. Come smell heaven. Come see what I see. That's what happens when we enthrone him on our praises, when we experience and live out of the presence of the Lord. We all want biblical examples. Here's some great ones. Jacob, back in Genesis 32. Remember when he encountered the angel of the Lord and he wrestled with God. He wrestled with God and he walked away with a limp and a new name. Let me tell you something. If you're not if you're not encountering God, then your walk won't be different. Your name won't be different and you won't look different than anything else in the world. We've got to encounter him. We have to let him knock us down, wrap himself around us and change some things. Knock a hip out of joint if necessary. Whatever it takes so that when you get up, you're different. And you smell like heaven. What about Paul, who was Saul in Acts chapter nine? Because see, before he was the great apostle, he was killing Christians. He was the persecutor of what he became the promoter of, the great promoter of. But before that, he was a scoundrel. God looked at him and said, I'll take that scoundrel change the world and he knocked him from his horse and he struck him blind and when he got up he had a new name and a father in heaven and a calling unlike he'd ever had in fact the opposite of what it used to be his presence changed him David King David grew up practicing his presence he grew up playing his his instrument his harp whatever it was he played 
in the, in the field with the sheep. He was the youngest brother, the most unlikely candidate to be the one to defeat Goliath. But you know what? He already had what he needed to defeat Goliath in the field when he was a little kid. The presence of the Lord. It's the presence of the Lord. Those stones would have done nothing to that big old giant. But they were propelled forward by the presence of the Lord. That is what changed everything. Not some squirmy little runt of the litter. His presence changed everything. And then when you go read Psalm 51, it's David's lament after he decided not to be in battle where he should have been, slept with another man's wife and impregnated her. (laughs) And his heart was broken. And I'm sure he was remorseful over everything that he had done. But when you look at Psalm 51, you see the great cry of his heart. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. That was everything to him. And if King David can lose it, so can you and so can I. None of us are above being where we're not supposed to be and doing what we're not supposed to do. When he was on that roof and he saw Bathsheba bathing, and we don't bathe with clothes on, do we? When he saw her, he should have run to the presence of the Lord, just like the first woman. When the enemy came and tempted her to not believe that God was truly who he said he was. We have to run to the presence of the Lord right now with everything the way it is in the world. We have to run to the presence of the Lord. We have to. If we don't, then we're gonna just taste and smell like the world. And we were made for so much more. If you're not being challenged and empowered to change regularly, then you should question if you're truly encountering his presence. I believe if his presence can change an individual, then it can change a marriage. And if it can change a marriage, then it can change a church. And if it can change one church, it can change the whole world. It can change the bride. The bride can become who she was created to be, a pipeline of his presence to a broken world. If he is enthroned, if he is given the authority on the praises of his people, then I should praise him in private. We should praise him corporately, but we should praise him in private. We should worship God in private. If you're, I heard somebody say one time, I read a lot of health articles and things because I I just love health and nutrition and all that. And I heard somebody say that if you don't feel well, you probably need water. Whatever feels off in your body, go drink a lot of water. It'll probably fix it. How funny (laughs) that it's the same thing in the heavenly realm. (laughs) If something's off with you, you need the water. You need Holy Spirit. You need his presence. That's what we need. If something's off in you, go get in his presence. Take some water with you. Go get in his presence. Our praises open the door for him to assume his rightful place of authority in our lives, in our marriages, in our businesses, our churches. Audible praise brings tangible change. See, he spoke the world into existence. He sent his word and he healed our diseases, right? 
And he said to us that the power of life and death is in the tongue. Made in his image, we have that same power to create life or death with our words. And so when we speak praises into blackness, the lights come on, the lights come on. And to quote the great Stephanie Gretzinger, you cannot turn off the light on the inside. No one else can but you. No one else can but you. So I'm gonna close with this. In Luke chapter two, remember when Mary and Joseph, they've gone to Jerusalem for the Passover feast and um, they've, they've finished and they're headed home with their entourage and they get two or three days journey behind them and they realize that they've left someone behind. Their son, <laughs> 13 years old, and they left him in Jerusalem. So they're all, I would imagine, completely freaking out. Where's our son? And the first time I read this when I was a teenager, I thought, who leaves their kid at a rest stop? I mean, don't you do a head count? You know, you get in the car, you're like, that was in their car seat, and that was there, and that was there. Where is your brother? He's still in the bathroom. Well, go get him. You know, we, that's what we do. But they traveled in these huge entourages, and they had their animals and their food and their, all their people. So I had to cut them some slack. That maybe that was normal then to make it three days and not know that their son wasn't with them. But it begs the question, how far in our journeys do we get and not notice that the presence of the Lord is not with us? What have we accomplished that makes our chest puff out with pride only to discover that his presence had nothing to do with it? How much of what we do is philanthropy for the good of, of mankind, the triumph of the human spirit? We have nothing but his presence. You understand? I think I've made that clear. I don't want to travel a step without the presence of the Lord. Can I just challenge us this morning? Can I invite you to come up higher, invite myself to come up higher? That when the questions come, when you want to doubt his goodness, when you want to doubt his it takes you to know you. It takes you to follow you. We have to have you to do this thing. We have to have you to be like you, to follow you, to obey you, to trust you. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your spirit that changes everything. Thank you that there's nothing going on on this spinning ball of gas in the middle of our atmosphere that you aren't greater than and that you aren't sovereign over. And it all starts with me. And I surrender. We surrender to you this morning, Lord. We surrender to you. We use the currency of heaven. We cash in everything we have in surrender to you and your presence and your plan and your purposes in the earth. God, open us up and pour through us so that your kingdom will come and your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to the Acts 2 podcast. Love God, love people, and live life. 